Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. And then, and then it was eerily quiet. And then my mind was kind of like, you know, the head in the fishbowl. But it takes me into the bathroom and says, this is how you brush your teeth. Brush, rinse, repeat, brush, rinse, repeat, brush, rinse, repeat. But there were two girls. And it was like, you don't have to give us a ride. You can't fill us no. You can't refuse us. He'll let us in his car. The thoughts were all alone in this empty void. We're just listening to your psychedelic rock band. Yes, we were. <laughs> yes, we were. Um, if you want to try to find them, it's impossible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you should download that, and we should put that as the end of the of the episode or something. Ooh, um, yeah, I'll, I'll bet my friend BJ, the bass player, has still he 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 archived everything. I lost everything. I had it all saved on like a computer, and then backed up to something, and both of them crapped out. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I could find something. Well, can't you download it from MySpace? I can, but he's got some better stuff, better recordings, I think. Oh, I see. Well, they're like 15 minutes long, though. Yeah. Yes. So that might not be conducive to end of the show music, but I guess you could just edit it down, right? Yeah. When the keyboard well, solo like with, kicks in. It's like with the Grateful Dead, you know, when you're performing on psychedelics, it's hard to tell if you've been playing for two minutes or 15 <laughs> Like you just gotta, you just gotta feel it out. <laughs> I remember there was uh, in the book "Our Dumb Century" by the Onion, where they made fun of the 20th century and fake newspaper um, covers that said something like "Grateful Dead in twenty uh, five year old twenty five year old year old song." <laughs> um, <laughs> how you doing, Rob? I'm doing pretty good. I you ever seen the um. Like the old Looney Tunes cartoons where they like drop a piano on somebody and it makes that noise. Yes. You know, you know the noise. It doesn't sound like that. It does not. When a grand piano falls, it does not. No. I take it you have personal experience about this. I had the most traumatizing experience of my life yesterday at work. Um, 
we <laughs> we have some pianos where I work. And to pack them up, you you go through this whole lengthy process, and there's a lot of steps, and you got to be real careful because it's dangerous because they weigh like fifteen hundred pounds or something ridiculous, and they end up on their side. And then you've got to lift them up again to get wheels under them. And we're on an unstable stage where it dipped and the piano fell over. And thankfully nobody was hurt. But I'm still like, I'm still, my nerves are frayed. Well, it damaged the stage, right? Yeah, it damaged the stage. which But not the piano itself? No, nor any of the people. And some minor. The hell do they make those things out of? Iron. Cast iron. <laughs> They're solid. Yeah, well, like the guy that was, you told me before about this, and the guy was behind it, and you told him just to move and just let it drop. Yeah. That's, because if it had landed on him, that would not have been good news. Well, yeah, that's rule number one when you're working with something that heavy. If it starts right. to go, just, yeah. It's not yeah, it's not worth trying to save. That's horrifying. Um, But it did not make the sound of a piano falling down the stairs it did not it just sounded like something that weighs over a thousand pounds hitting the ground Ooh, oh yeah well we don't have luke tonight nope but uh we're recording on a wednesday night so he's at work anyway so he doesn't get to come in here and sleep and by the <laughs> way on the last show didn't we Come to the conclusion that Luke would not sleep if he was not in the comfortable couch. We didn't. That was Luke's idea. That was Luke's idea. Yeah. Luke yes. moved himself from the couch into a, um, <laughs> you know, like an office chair. Yes, that we have in here in the studio. And I think he lasted a little longer, but he still fell asleep. Yeah, still ended up at least closing his eyes and getting some catnap. Yeah. I told him we can drag the piano bench over here. Right. You could sit on that. <laughs> He apparently thinks that he needs to be completely uncomfortable so that he doesn't fall asleep. I just have to stand up. But at least he pays attention to everything that's going on, right? Yeah. You know, Somewhere. and he's very knowledgeable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, guys, we have Jack Brewer coming on. We're going to talk about his book, The Grays Have Been Framed. And this might be a little bit of a controversial show because we're going to talk about... Well, some people that, at least one person that we've actually had on the show before, and some of the, I, I hesitate to say chicanery or bad stuff going on, but just maybe how some people's worldview kind of makes them believe certain things and fulfills a certain, I guess, uh, destiny or path. So, and this this could be an interesting show. Hmm. Um, we may talk about Bud Hopkins, David Jacobs. David Jacobs has been on the show. That's who I'm talking about. So, there might be some interesting things that we would have to maybe talk about on the flip side about this. Um, right. Well, I, for one, am excited because I don't have a standpoint. Sure. You know, I, I, I just don't know. And it's all, it's all fascinating to me. So, I'm, I'm really excited about it. You know, hearing some possibly controversial... Uh, right, right. And there's some mind control stuff, and there's some things about U.S. intelligence work and how that's interfered into into this. And you know us, so we're pretty much on the whole non-ETH, extraterrestrial hypothesis bit. That's where we are. You know, we don't... I don't believe that there's anything to do with extraterrestrials. I think it could. I'll go on a limb and say that. 
and right. I and, and I will I will I will reply to that with saying yeah, I think it's possible, but I think it's also just as likely it could be right. military aircraft that we're seeing, or you know, yes. other misidentified stuff, or you know, and for me, like I know the the spiritual side enters um, a lot for you, but for me, the the um, the crafts, the stuff like that, that people see that that doesn't. Um, I've never taken that into consideration when it comes to like the um, uh, abduction mm-hmm. theories and stuff. Then, then I can see a, a much more spiritual angle to it. Sure, and get yeah, on board there. But for me, I feel like people are seeing something. Yeah, um, I, th- I think people are seeing something in the sky. And I, th- oh, I think they're seeing something nuts and bolts. But whether or not it's aliens or whether military or craft, yeah, that the U.S. is allowing the whole alien idea to spread to just because it's convenient for them. I don't know. Well, you think about the Walter Bosley thing that we talked about with him about the airships and all that and how that could be what you see. And it's just a continuation of a breakaway civilization, <laughs> oh, um, that kind of thing. It's a fun idea. Yeah. I don't know how plausible it is, but I, I mean, sure. Know, it's just as possible as any other hypothesis. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. I think I lean a little bit more towards that. See, there's there's so much you can say that like it could be all these other things. Right. I think at a certain point, people jump to this conclusion that it's aliens or it has to be aliens from another world. I think that's more like wishful thinking on our part. But I did want to ask you before we go to the guest, did you see that picture of Trump and the Saudi Arabian king and I think the president of Egypt touching that like like white orb. Did you see that picture? No, (laughs) I did not. (laughs) That's been all over the internet, man, all over the last few days. Cause, cause Trump was in Saudi Arabia. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's just this picture of him with the other two guys touching this white orb. I don't know what it is or some ceremony or something, but several people I've seen have been posting these memes that have said that if this was Obama, Alex Jones would be having a shit fit. <laughs> and you know it's true. You know it's true. And there's been some several clever things like somebody took, like, photoshopped out the president of Egypt and photoshopped in Saruman, Christopher Lee as Saruman. <laughs> And then there's also this little gif out there that says, you know, from a, a scene from The Hobbit where you got Gandalf and Saruman talking about the Palantir or whatever, the stone that the uh, the Dark Lord could see them through. Uh-huh. And he says, he, he tells Saruman, you never know who's looking. And he pulls up the cover and it flashes that picture real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah man really really weird stuff i can't believe you haven't seen that it's Uh been all over the place the last few days but uh we don't have a lot of time here so we'll talk about some other things on the flip side we'll be right back with jack brewer on conspiranormal what if i were to tell you that the forms are not the facts and what if i were to ask you the shape of water Water is in a state of constant flow and flux, a paradox of weakness and strength. My name is Aaron David, and I am host of Charm the Water, a weekly podcast centering on the occult and mysticism based in Asheville, North Carolina. You can find us at charmthewater.com or iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, your favorite pod feeder. 
Come holler. Okay, guys, we are back on Conspiranormal, and we have the guest on the line, and this is actually the next to last episode of our Road to Roswell series, of course, the trip that Rob and I are going to take here at the end of June, we're looking forward to. Yeah, we are. And uh, I have saved what I think is probably the best for the uh, almost very last, because we do have... uh, Guy Malone coming on next time, but uh, that is Jack Brewer, and we're talking to Jack about his book, The Grays Have Been Framed, which is kind of an interesting, funny little title, but I'm sure we'll get to explain that. Uh, Jack, welcome to Conspiracy Normal. It's good to have you. Thanks. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Well, thank you. Um, you know, I want to know... What inspired you to kind of write this book, and what also did you mean by the title, The Grays Have Been Framed? Thanks for asking. Um, the title would be that I, uh, I, I think like in setting up someone and framing them for something they didn't do, I... I have a lot of doubts about the extraterrestrial hypothesis and it was just kind of a play on words something some friends and i used to talk about actually that when we would um dissect cases and take a look at them we we'd say the the grays have been framed here there there's not an alien in this story and so it, it was kind of a somewhat of an inside joke but more or less a play on words and about exploitation in the UFO community. And my uh, feelings at this point in time that a variety of demographics have exploited the UFO topic over the years, uh, pretty much from the dawn of the what we might call the modern day phenomenon in the 1940s to present has gone through what what I feel is uh, can be demonstrated as the UFO community being exploited by intelligence agencies and charlatans and uh, researchers with suspect motives and the way I actually ended up wanting to write about this is I I came to the party for the same reasons I think most people do. I began attending UFO conferences and reading the the books in the 1990s and was absolutely fascinated. Uh, The Bud Hopkins, David Jacobs, Whitley Strieber, Mm -hmm. John Mack, and I was so drawn by it that I made an effort to to meet some of the key people and begin talking to them and get involved at local and regional meetings. And the closer I got, the less I I found the work credible that was being presented in, in the mainstream. 
And by that, I mean, I think there's kind of a montage of information or like in the in the intelligence community, they'll they'll call it the raw intelligence that you get, that there's all this stuff. And then when we read the polished book by Bud Hopkins or a popular researcher, they make a very compelling case. But if you come behind them and you look at this raw intelligence, this raw material, you can start seeing they kind of cherry pick the evidence and they left this out and they left that out to the point that some of their witnesses even don't like the way that their stories end up being portrayed. And so that's why I ended up writing it uh, in 2010. I began writing a blog, The UFO Trail, and I felt like I had some some things I could contribute to helping the truth-seeking process, and that eventually led to the book. And I, I do want to emphasize, please, that I, I don't deny people their narratives or their experiences. I don't claim to know what happened in circumstances where I wasn't there. Sure. I don't, you know, I don't claim to have all the answers. What I do claim is that I think there are multiple explanations to the unusual phenomena that's being reported, whatever those explanations may be. And I do claim that in some specific cases we can see where witnesses and their stories have been exploited and taken advantage of for what are probably a lot of different reasons. Sure. I, I, I think too, that people are having real experiences. I, I don't doubt it. Um, what the nature of those experiences, I really can't tell. Um, but mm-hmm. it's, but it seems like, once the researcher gets in there instead of really just kind of looking at the story and listening to the story and writing it down as is, as it's being told to them, all of a sudden the researcher will tend to put their own biases and their own belief system onto this story. And then you get into the hypnosis stuff and then it's even worse, but I completely, Completely agree. Absolutely. Yeah. The the uh, the evil alien researcher. All of his subjects are being abducted by evil aliens. The beautiful being of light researcher. They have a mm-hmm. following that are all meeting beautiful, helpful beings. The mind control researcher. He has a, a following of people that all believe they're they're being uh, targeted by uh, unknown human forces. And I, I agree completely. And then when you throw the hypnosis in the mix, then it, you're just on the wheel of fortune at that point. Right. Right. Well, let's talk about hypnosis because kind of that's where I want to start with this is just how valid is hypnosis in assessing these these cases? Because you heard a lot about, especially in the 90s, you would always hear a lot about, well, hypnosis is pretty valid. I mean, it's helping us reveal what these people are going through. But lately, it's 
it's starting to kind of turn exactly around on that. Sure. It's my understanding that the short answer to your question, how valid is hypnosis as a memory enhancer, the short answer would be it's not. And that's not my opinion, but it's held by all the leading researchers, the memory researchers, uh, Elizabeth Loftus, Julia Shaw, Christopher French, we could just go on and on. C.A. Morgan worked on it. Um, Scott Lillianfield has has done work in it, and it's just not valid. And it, it's something else I'd like to stress is that using hypnosis as a memory enhancer and claiming to be an advocate of scientific study are simply not conducive to one another. The the two terms are mutually exclusive, yet we see organizations in the UFO community continuing to claim to be science-based, if not claim in their mission statements, like the Mutual UFO Network, they claim to be dedicated to scientific study, yet continue to use hypnosis as a primary investigative tool and and to offer the podium to to researchers that do it some of which you know traditionally don't even have professional training at it right and uh i i could just i i could do a whole show with you as i'm sure you're aware on the invalidity of hypnosis as a memory enhancer uh, Judy Jafar is a researcher that I, I respected her work as a psychotherapist, and she used to work in in Europe with alien abductees and and the British UFO Research Association, and she she has spoken out against it. And Bufora, the British. They actually even invoked a moratorium against the use of it way back in the 1980s, and it's still in effect. And mm. she she strictly explains that people think it's some kind of truth serum and that you can't lie or that you can't fabricate, and that's just simply not the case. And... The more we look at the way some of the researchers ask the questions and, and uh, it, I, I'll just come out and say it's just shameless the extents that they lead the hypnosis subject in some circumstances. We have, uh, we have recorded clips via Emma Woods and David Jacobs, and he just romances her at length during hypnosis about what other subjects say and what other subjects think, and then asks her the questions. And it, it's um, among other things he does that, that are, are extremely ethically questionable. And it's in my opinion, just an insult to intelligence to even make the claim that there's even any credibility to it, much less that it can be put under the guise of science. Yeah, I want to get to the David Jacobs and Emma Woods thing 
but first, I wanted to ask you too, continuing on the line of hypnosis, um, you know, how can we compare this to like the satanic panic stuff of the 80s and the 90s? You know, like how hypnosis was used in that as well, because there's literally like some parallels here with this stuff. Very much so. It's my understanding that it's very comparable, and some of the members of the professional mental health community even consider that that's when hypnosis lost its credibility as a memory enhancer was during that time and when it was used to accuse people of of inappropriate acts and the um hypnosis subject was supposedly recalling these from years prior and many people were incarcerated that were later proven to to not have committed these acts and to be innocent yes and uh, I've, I've even come across some researchers along my path that they came at it from the satanic panic and I came at it from the alien abduction and we, we met and compared notes because absolutely you've, you've got the same stories with a different perpetrator. Now you do talk about in the book about the CIA and kind of their use of hypnosis um, and some of the things that was found out and some of the kind of weird connections with the CIA and the use of hypnosis with alien abduction uh, phenomenon. Yes, I don't know how, how closely the connection actually is between what the CIA did with hypnosis and and alien abduction, but I do find the topic interesting i think that it can be explored martin orne was a hypnosis expert and a cia consultant and he explored hypnosis at length and the possibility that people could be controlled uh behavior modification carry out um, acts against their will, he and other CIA consultants. And the claims that are in the declassified material are just absolutely extraordinary. And it is is difficult to not have the alien abduction genre come to mind for me when we look at the work that the CIA did is very similar to what the alien abduction hypnotists do and it's really a whole fascinating other area of research that could be done and i am going to be talking about some of that at roswell is that the the work of a man named estabrooks for instance with the cia he claimed to be able to induce multiple personality disorder and to give give hypnosis subjects commands that that could be brought up by code words and he he claimed to be successful at this kind of stuff that's in the the declassified material and we uh have recordings of david jacobs uh suggesting to emma woods that you won't be able to remember this now only later and we're just going to keep this in a 
vault in your mind. And it, it's really just darkly interesting. It's kind of creepy. There, There's just some weird parallels there. Yeah, a lot of similarities between those two. Well, let's get into the Emma Woods case, because this is something sure. that we have not talked about on the show. And I've actually had David Jacobs on twice. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's an interesting guy. I mean, you listen to what he has to say. And, and I mean, that's kind of how we do our show. I mean, we We don't really channels i guess we kind of talk about what what they in their point of view and listen to them um and and the things that he talks about i mean it's some scary stuff but the but does that is that necessarily reality or is it just reality to him um and then, you know, Emma Woods, because let's talk about this case, because this is important, and this is one that has been very controversial. He's come out and talked about it on shows like Coast to Coast and talked about how that he didn't do anything wrong or she was all wrong. And it's a, there is a kind of a he said, she said element to this, literally. Um, so let's talk about who Emma Woods is and what happened with this case. Sure. Emma Woods is a pseudonym used by a woman that lives in a uh, nation in the Pacific region. And in, uh, I believe it was, I don't have my notes in front of me, but several years ago, she made the acquaintance of David Jacobs. She believed that she had experienced some type of unusual phenomena And they began uh, interactions that went on for a few years. And he conducted long-distance hypnosis sessions by phone. And that, in my opinion, it's, it's my understanding that that's an initial red flag. Yeah. That the, the person even if you're willing to give some validity to hypnosis by phone, the, the subject then is in, in a vulnerable position where they don't have access to care and, uh, support they may need. And what, what, where we're going ahead with this story, Adam, is that there, there's two aspects at least, One is that the things David Jacobs did and said with Emma Woods during hypnosis sessions conducted by long-distance telephone were inappropriate. The other aspect of it is that on his website, Dr. Jacobs, a historian, claims to be committed to and to respect scientific research protocols and ethical treatment of research subjects. And that is demonstrably false, uh, given what happened with Emma Woods. In a scientific setting, institution review boards will be consulted, peer review will be consulted, Uh, A a scientific process requires that the the experiments are duplicatable, that there's more than one person. The the test subjects have to go through screening and and there have to be 
have to be um, qualifiers to make sure that the people are are suitable, and none of that happens with with these alien abduction researchers. Also, how can you hypnotize someone over a over the phone? And, that, that's an issue. Yeah, and and sure. then and then there was the other person you wrote about that was being hypnotized over instant message. That is correct. <laughs> that that was a thing too. Um, we like, I gotta I give a get, hat tip. I don't get that at all. I, that's <laughs> <laughs> I gotta give a hat tip to Jeremy Vaney and Jeff Ritzman that yeah. brought that story right, along right. with mm-hmm. the Woods. A lot of the Woods work was that. Um, yeah, some of David Jacobs' research subjects, contacts, people he wrote about, whatever we want to call them, were instant messaging hypnosis sessions to one another. And this led to one of them that, that he he calls Elizabeth, and I think he, he calls her some other titles, too. She would claim that she was being overtaken by alien hybrids during these instant message hypnosis sessions, but she'd never use a webcam. She wouldn't let the young man, Brian Reed, see this happening. But when it would take place, Brian would then ask the ask the alleged hybrid questions and they'd communicate and then Elizabeth would supposedly have no recollection of it and no evidence could be found of it other than the text or the instant message. It was before text. It was actually on computers. And I interviewed Dr. Jacobs uh, in Arkansas and that's available on my blog. And I specifically asked about this and he he led me to believe that he believed that hybrids were instant messaging people from Elizabeth's computer and he did not believe it was most likely that it was a person or that it was Elizabeth and he would have me believe that uh he would have me believe that it was a terrifying event to him. He received some of these text messages from Elizabeth's computer and claimed he believed they were hybrids. I confronted him about couldn't he get forensic evidence for this? I mean, call the police. I mean, do something. If beings are showing up at a woman's house, they, they keep forcing their way in. And there are no reasonable answers to that in my opinion and we we could just go on and on uh jacobs also claimed to me that he knew the physiological makeup of these beings and how they work and how they reproduce yet cannot demonstrate they so much as exist but claims to to know this and so i would very much challenge that there's anything scientific about such conjecture right and as we discussed it at the outset i i i don't claim to know what people experience i i don't know but i do know that 
it, there's a difference between speculating and asserting a fact that you can't demonstrate to be true. And I'm just an advocate that we don't make claims we can't back up. I mean, that doesn't seem unreasonable to me. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Let's let's get it back to the Emma Woods and how like how this whole thing just escalates with her. Uh, you know, and there's also the very famous well, the the panties thing. There there <laughs> is. There is and I I talked to a pretty well known uh pretty well-known radio show host about a year ago about my book. And that person I was discussing the Woods tapes with, the Woods recordings, and they didn't know that these recordings exist and that they're out there online and they've been out there for years now. I've done several shows, different podcasts on them myself. And if this... She recorded these, right? David Jacobs recorded them okay, and okay. sent copies is my understanding. Okay, okay. I'm extremely confident that both of them knew that they were being recorded at the time. She has put them online. So has David Jacobs. And it, they are absolutely remarkable, remarkable. And if, if, this person, this well-known talk show host I, I discussed them with, didn't know that they're online and out there. I'm sure a lot of people still don't because it's like this person's job to know what's going on with alien abduction research. And you're right. They're, they're absolutely astonishing that during hypnosis, David Jacobs suggested to Emma Woods, among other things, that she send him her underpants and not remember doing so. Now, why was why why did he want the underpants? What was the reason there? His reasoning was something along the lines that because during these hypnosis sessions, they discussed that she may have been sexually assaulted by alien hybrids that were regularly entering her home, that she could send him underpants and he could have them tested. Okay. I discussed this with Emma Woods for the chapters in my book on it. And her response to that, in hindsight, is that she felt it was very unethical to ask that, particularly during a hypnosis session, and that there would be so many other ways to obtain potential DNA evidence if someone really believed hybrids were frequenting the premises. Right. Why not just ask her outright? That's right, bizarre. and she said that if he uh, that that it could have been done with a, a cotton swab. It could have been, I mean, you you can you know twenty three and me. You can, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff available now that that DNA testing can be done. That's a whole nother issue we could go into that that the UFO community seems to ignore, but. Yeah, it, it it's tough to figure out that 
under what circumstances is it appropriate to call somebody in another country and claim to hypnotize them and and not only ask them for their undergarments but give them a a message that they won't recall doing it as well is okay questionable so not only did he ask for the panties which he didn't really need to do it to do any kind of scientific testing he asked for the, so not only did he ask for those instead of just asking her right out he hypnotized her so she wouldn't remember that he asked her to send the panties after during a hypnosis session he asked her for the panties a couple minutes after that, during the same hypnosis session, he suggested she look for them, put them in a plastic bag, send them, don't even think about it, no fuss, no muss, and don't think about it later either. Something okay. that's that's almost a quote. It's pretty close. Okay. There and are- it's in my book, it's available on my blog, it's on Emma's blog, which is the Emma Woods files. It and there i mean there's lots more to discuss too about it i mean he suggested to her that she uh has multiple personality disorder during a hypnosis session told her that she wanted he wanted her to tell people if they asked that that's why he was working with her was because he was studying multiple personality disorder and this was done during hypnosis by a historian that is not even a a mental health counselor or a doctor of any type and his apparent mentality for doing this had something to do with a he would have us believe that he believed she is compromised with the hybrids because they can read her mind so when when they read her mind he wanted them to believe that she believed she had multiple personality disorder and david jacobs was studying her for that reason so that the hybrids would not want to kill david jacobs this gets real complicated really quick (laughs) now let me throw one more on you one more you're right it did escalate and when she finally called it off and said that's it that's when people decided to start hanging the idea that emma woods is unstable on her so what i'd like you and your listeners to consider is a guy calls up a woman they're having telephone long distance hypnosis asked her for her underwear tells her that he thinks she has MPD when he's not qualified to diagnose it. His idea of why that is is because it's a complicated game of cat and mouse with these alleged alien hybrids that he'd have her just tell people around town that she has MPD, et cetera, et cetera. And then when she begins to object, he calls her crazy. Okay. Right, and I have heard an interview with him where he basically did say that. Absolutely. That is correct, yeah. And, and it, not to belabor this point too much, but there's also, you talk about in your book, where he 
he suggested that she buy a chastity belt. That he did, sir. And that she could buy that in an adult bookstore or sex shop. And that he even said that he knew this because he frequented them. That he did. And he offered to purchase it for her and send it to her himself because he thought that that might help keep the alien hybrids at bay. And this was also done during hypnosis. That is correct. Scientific study, that. <laughs> Interesting. Um, okay. There's also the thing about Temple University. Uh, was there some, wasn't there some kind of repercussion for him with Temple University? And they made some excuse about uh, him gathering like oral, um, him history. gathering like oral history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that that's right. Um, thanks for bringing that up because <sighs> honestly, I usually don't get this far with an interview, and and I appreciate you covering all of this. I I can tell you've actually read about it, yeah. and I appreciate it. You're right, and that's one of the reasons I brought up the panty request as well, was when Emma made complaints to Temple University, among other institutions, they came back with the explanation he was only conducting oral history, taking oral histories and not conducting actual research, which made the guidelines much less uh, strict. So that is demonstrably false by his own admissions. He even discusses with me in the interview published at my blog that he collected samples from people that he was trying to uh, in, uh, amass physical evidence and it, it never worked, so he, he seems to have just gone primarily with the hypnosis. But that the point being, as you're suggesting, Temple University claimed he was only collecting oral histories while he can be shown to have been trying to collect physical evidence, including the panty request. That, that's correct. Did she ever send him the panties? I do not know. I, okay. I could not answer that. Okay. Well, what were the results of all this for him? And then what was the result of this for her? I really couldn't say, uh, it, it, I, it certainly hasn't helped his status. Let's put it that way for her. I, I, my last discussions with her about the topic was that she continues to think that she did experience some type of unusual phenomena in her life. Okay. It's my understanding. She thinks it was terribly sidetracked and that, that she suffered as a result of her interactions with David Jacobs is my interpretation I also interpret that 
she at this point does not believe that David Jacobs even believes the story he peddles. That it, it's just, uh, in fact, one of their last interactions that I documented with with her help and the help of other people that worked on this story is that one of their last interactions was that she called him on... There's too many conspiracy theories here that don't make sense. Like she pointed out to Jacobs that he was trying to show her, trying to lead her to believe that he didn't want the hybrids to know he was on to them. But of course she could point out, you've been writing and lecturing about this for years. You know, this doesn't even make sense. And that that was one of the, the big conflicts. And so she she doubts his sincerity. Other people have doubted his his uh, mental faculties, just to call a spade a spade, how he could get this involved in such convoluted stories. And uh, I, I really can't say, Adam, I, yeah. I don't know. But the the bottom line for her, it's my understanding she thinks that she did have some kind of experience with unusual phenomena, maybe some type of paranormal event. She doesn't think that her interactions with Jacobs shed any light on it and damaged the understandings and her emotional status. And she doubts his sincerity a great deal at this right. point. It's my interpretation. It's like it contaminated whatever her original experience was, just like we were talking about at the beginning. Yeah, and I, I think that could be said very much. I think that's a great segue to the whole hypnosis deal. And as I mentioned, Judy Jafar, that that I interpret her work to point that out too is – once these people have been hypnotized and they get this strong mental imagery and tests have shown as well that once memory enhancers are used, faulty or not, people tend to believe that even more than than otherwise normally recollected memories. And it becomes part of your self-image, it's part of your self-narrative, and it can be very damaging over time to to work through these and no emma can never go back to not having those mental images of uh just consistent sexual assault after sexual assault that in all reasonable likelihood never happened right you know? right right yeah <laughs> like you were saying about the satanic Yes, panic yes. and it's extremely similar. There mm-hmm. were a few things in the nineties, right? Mm-hmm. Let's go touch another third rail. Uh, Bud Hopkins and Carol Rainey. This is another mm-hmm. one that I have from certain people that I've met in this field. That is um, a rather touchy subject. Mm-hmm. So what? Who is Carol Rainey? 
Carol um, Rainey is a former wife of Bud Hopkins and a professional filmmaker and writer and um, talented individual that was once married to Bud Hopkins. And I bet they were quite a dynamic duo in, in, at that time. And what, and what was it that she discovered about some of Hopkins techniques that really kind of bothered her? She came to doubt the legitimacy of the alien narrative and the methodologies Bud was using. And I, I think a good way to put it, Adam, would be that, li like you mentioned earlier, you can get into he said, she said stories. People can say, well, it, it's a former wife, or people can say, well, hey, I, I've seen a UFO. Don't knock the people that are willing to work with us. And I think what it comes down to, again, is when this person makes assertions, can they back it up? And if you differentiate between what you think and what you believe and what you claim is fact, okay, then all's fair. But Hopkins claimed facts that Carol Rainey's films and video clips available on YouTube, documented in my book, show to be false. He, he made claims about these supposed alien hieroglyphs or writing or scribblings, whatever you want to call them, that are demonstrably not accurate. He, he cherry-picked them. He traced them. He, he, when questioned on camera, said, I'm trying to stack the deck here. That, that calls a person's judgment into question. And again, it's not even just a matter of being in question. It's Credible research, professional research, has certain protocols. Everything doesn't have to be scientific. I, I don't claim to be scientific. I've, I find some interesting stuff, and I blog about it, and I write about it. Everything doesn't have to be. But there are some guidelines of professionalism and credibility, and Bud was not seeking the proper guidance. He, he wasn't working with his advisory committee. He wasn't taking the direction of medical professionals. He, he was showing himself to be easily duped by people that would give him a good story. And I think that kind of shows us some of the UFO community and their writers as a whole that we almost, in fact, I have said this before, we, we almost could conclude that hypnosis served as giving us some really good book material and evidence that we otherwise wouldn't have had if we didn't use hypnosis to, to concoct these stories. And Bud and David Jacobs, and we could name others, Barbara Lamb, 
I, I'm going to name that, are notorious for not trying to get physical evidence with these people that claim they're being regularly interacted with by otherworldly beings, yet we just keep writing their stories. We, we don't have them examined by medical professionals. We don't present this. We don't call in third parties to give objective examinations, and there, there's a lot documented about about Bud's work that Carol Rainey even shared with us the contents of letters from mental health professionals that, that warned him about a woman he was working with, and he decided not to even include that as part of the story not only did he not heed the the medical professional's advice to to tread cautiously here he chose to not even make that part of the presentation when trying to for all practical purposes prop this person's story up as indicative of alien abduction and military abductions and that type of phenomena. Sure. And you make the point in the book that let's take the, the women that claim that the babies are taken away from them. They're pregnant and then they're abducted and then they're not. And you make the point that even if the baby is taken away, there's still a test that can be done that will show the traces of whatever, if the, that the fetus was in there, they can still get that from the woman and they can see if there's something unusual about the DNA. So like something like that wasn't even, even done. And that test was available even 20 years ago. Well, I don't know how many years ago it was available. I can tell you, I, I need to do a hat tip to Dr. Tyler Coke, John on that one. That's where I first heard that is Tests can now be done that would greatly increase the chances that we could tell if a woman had ever been pregnant, what circumstances of the pregnancy might have been. And yes, right. that can remain in the mother's system, it's my understanding, for many years, decades after the actual pregnancy. Now, to take that a step further, uh, another indictment on the David Jacobs, Bud Hopkins missing fetus syndrome claim was the work of uh, Don Ecker is the name I was looking for. He, he explained a few years back that he and his wife had an interaction that they knew a professional doctor wanted to work with Jacobs and Hopkins and the women that claimed to have this missing fetus syndrome because he found it fascinating and he had the expertise and equipment to see what they could get under a glass and the way Ecker describes the story was that Hopkins and Jacobs weren't interested in pursuing that relationship right so which you yeah. know doesn't bode well for you know well you'd think you'd want the proof though I mean if you spent your entire life trying to prove this and trying to prove to the skeptical community 
that this is going on, you'd think you'd want some kind of proof. Well, there are people in in my circles that the way they put it is, and instead of doing that, it seems that these, these alien abduction investigators, many of them seem to deny the process at every turn. I, I mean, I, I mentioned Barbara Lamb because she's putting people on stage that she claims are ET alien hybrids. Right. Yet doesn't doesn't present, to the best of my knowledge, any third party evaluations, medical examinations, anything other than. Uh, witness testimony that would indicate that to be the case. And, uh, as you know, I did cover that in the book. I just emailed her or I wrote her again about a week ago and in preparation for Roswell and saying, you know, when I asked you about this before, you said you were in a big rush and weren't able to, to get any of this done and any any third party confirmation medical exams and i have not gotten a reply to that as of <laughs> night yeah I, that seems to me some of the most damning stuff there in my opinion and and i kind of want to make things clear that it just seems like I don't know. It's it's almost it's almost like I don't think these people are I don't think that they're 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 evil or they're out for 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 monetary gain. I, I just think you get stuck in your paradigm is what it is. I think the I think the vast amount of people that I've met were sincere and believe when they describe their right. experiences that they believe they're describing them. In, in in a realistic way my personal opinion is that they've been influenced by the work of these trendsetters that was not quality work and substandard in the first place and so then we we have whatever the original experience may or may not been tainted yeah. As as far as the sincerity of the investigators and the trendsetters, I think the jury's still out on a lot of that. I would agree with you though that people get engrossed in the argument for the sake of the argument. That that's for sure. There's there's a point where they just want to stick to it and they they won't they won't back off even in the face of other evidence. And I, for instance, I, I like to own that I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'm, I'm willing to look at these old CIA declassified documents. I think it's interesting. I think there may be connections to the UFO phenomenon. And I'm the first to tell you, and I might be wrong, you know? I, I mean, let's just differentiate between what we can prove to be accurate and what we suspect and what we find interesting. And that's where I think they go off the rails is when they 
just said, yeah, it's aliens. Yeah, it's it's uh, lifelong experiences. It runs in the family. It's missing fetuses. It's global takeover. And we have built this paradigm on assumption after assumption built on faulty premise that they're in too deep to go back on. And I, I agree with you completely that now they're arguing just for the sake of arguing and it's just gotten silly that the whole narrative science outgrew the narrative it's a 20 30 i mean in the case of the hills it's a 50 year old narrative that science could work at chipping away at and so as i mentioned earlier a lot of them just avoided it at every turn instead of employing it well i'm, I'm just waiting for somebody to start like going around killing people thinking they're alien human hybrids that's the next thing but wait, I think that actually happened. Don't you talk about that in your book? <laughs> I did talk about that. The very first nice segue, story Adam. in the book. Nice segue. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, he, uh, I don't know if he thought they were hybrids, and I don't know what kind of drugs or other problems the young man might have had. But absolutely, there was a young man in, in the Delaware area that went on a uh, crazy shooting spree, and his, his lawyer argued that he believed that uh, children in his care were subject to being abducted by aliens, and uh, he went out and killed some people over it one morning. You're, you know, that's absolutely true. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this stuff can take on a life of its own. Let's talk about. It's not healthy, is it? Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, let, let's cut to the chase here. There, there, there are some mental health issues surrounding this narrative, yeah. and uh, we don't give enough attention to the symptoms of trauma are at play here, and whether what and that's the case. Whatever the original experience was or was not people describe themselves as traumatized and working on this stuff can be traumatic to talk to these people to in investigate this stuff it, it can can easily lead to what i've called in the past you know richard dreyfusing out you know a reference <laughs> to close encounters and there needs to be a support system and a support plan in place. And I appreciate, again, you've, you've done a very great job here of, of your direction with questions. I appreciate it because that needs to be said because it ties right back into what's up with just calling somebody long distance and hypnotizing them and saying, okay, I'll talk to you later. You know, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, what what could possibly be considered mentally healthy about creating this narrative and, and coming to view it as a ongoing way of life? And if you truly believed you're in phone contact with someone that's being regularly sexually molested by whatever kind of beings... Your plan for dealing with that is to conduct more hypnosis sessions and send them a chastity belt? Really? 
that, that I don't think that's in any manuals on offering support for sexual molestation. That's not in the DSM. I'm pretty sure not. Pretty sure. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's talk about the Betty and Barney Hill case because this is one. I mean, this is this is the root. I mean, if you really want to talk about the alien abduction cases, I mean, you might have the Antonio Villas Boas, which you even mentioned in the book that could have some iffy things about it. Uh, but this is the one that really begins kind of the original um, alien abduction narrative. I mean, all the way down, even to, even to the grays. And I've always, and I've, and I've really, since I started really looking into this stuff with a critical mind and a lot of this, I got to admit comes from Nick Redfern, but I mean, there could be something really a mind control element to this that I've often thought about with the Hills. So I'm going to get into this about the Betty and Barney Hill case. It's intriguing. It's intriguing. I, again, I I almost feel like I, I have a responsibility to give my disclaimer that I don't know what happened to the Hills. I don't know yeah. what happened to other people that claim similar experiences. I don't claim to have conclusions. I, I don't know. Now, that stated, I think it is a fascinating case. And when we look at what we now know were some of the com- intelligence community classified operations going on at the time that uh, were targeting and infiltrating uh, communities that um, an interracial couple would have been a part of. There are some real intriguing parts of this equation that I agree deserve more attention. Are you talking about COINTELPRO? I, I am. Yeah. I'm also talking about Artichoke that ran along with MK Ultra, which was, of course, a direct uh, behavior modification, mind control operation. But Artichoke was specifically interested in infiltrating the civil rights community and causing dissension within it, much like COINTELPRO. And uh, attempts were documented to explore the use of using hypnosis to um, cause people to change their political alliances. And that went hand-in-hand with MKUltra, and it was thought that this could be a interrogation tool or it could be used for spying to uh, get get a adversary to flip then send them back and if you could hypnotize them and create this multiple personality disorder that you could control then they couldn't crack even under questioning and they wouldn't even be aware of their own conditioning and their own orders and when, when we start exploring these projects and looking at these declassified documents, I think even another phase of this, another level of the, the onion peel that goes even deeper, is 
these guys were crazy, man. I, I mean, the, there there were elements of this intelligence community that were into the drugs themselves. They were dropping acid. They were dosing each other with LSD. Yeah. And a lot of people ask me, well, you know, make this make sense for me. How does it make sense? And I don't have all those answers. I just think further research is justified. And my point, please, with bringing up that they were nuts is that it doesn't have to make sense. They were exploring any and everything they could get their hands on from mushrooms in the Mexican jungle to hypnosis to electron frequencies to biochemical warfare that were just incredibly irresponsible at times. There, there's a, a article that's well known now in the New Yorker about uh, this, this one man that was a psychologist that was on the front lines of the MK Ultra work with the research subjects. And he he explained how the guys he worked with were just off their rockers and the amounts of LSD that he saw coming through Edgewood Arsenal going that he didn't know where were just incredible. Are you talking about and the experiments with BZ too? Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and so see, people think that there would be some streamlined, uh, point and effect and what were we trying to get to and what's the objective and what's the methodology and the declassified material doesn't show us an agency that really worked that way as much as they threw things on the wall and it's all about weaponizing and whatever they can do and they tried combinations of hypnosis and drugs and pain and torture and uh i i i think that i'll put it this way and again to be responsible i'm differentiating here between suspicion and what i can prove i would be surprised if somehow some way that culture did not get enmeshed with the UFO community and experiences that people don't know they were unwitting subjects that they didn't have any other way to explain. And, you know, we have the uh, uh, George White that was in charge of brothels, you know, and, yeah. and where the prostitutes would lure lure unsuspecting guys to, to be drugged and experimented. And, uh, we, we just don't know. I mean, we really don't even know how many people this involved, how far it went, uh, how there was no follow-up work done on, on what happened to them after the fact. And we do know that files were literally destroyed. Yeah. Richard Helms. Yeah, Richard Helms had the, uh, I think, f going f to the church committee, which actually we mentioned this on the last show, but in the church committee, like they, when they were to testify, they destroyed a lot of the files on MK Ultra. Right, right. And he even went, Helms went as far 
as uh, I'll paraphrase here, but I found this really interesting testimony that was considered of his that he wasn't interested in scientific methodology. He needed stuff that worked for operatives in the field that were not going to have the luxury of labs and that they would definitely be drugging and working on people that w didn't know and weren't willing participants. And Helms went as far as saying, given that, the only question was the best way to get research subjects. And it's very chilling, very chilling things that Helms said. So do you think that the Hills were targeted because they were interracial couple? I think it deserves more scrutiny. I don't know how much more it can get. Yeah. Given that uh, if there's just no documentation and it did ha happen, then then we'll never know. I think the conversation needs to be better known. Like like you mentioned some of Nick Redfern's work. I think some of his work is intriguing around the the mind control people, the 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 Hill case as well. Whether any of it will ever come to light, I don't know. But I think as a community, we need to understand that better. And I, I'm quite convinced that there is a high percentage of people in our community, the UFO community, that could tell you the Hill case inside and out that are very well versed on the symptoms of alien abduction, the narrative, that know it very well, that know virtually nothing about the intelligence community and the declassified files on um, the Manchurian candidate, and which is really what Artichoke and MK Ultra and other sister projects were all about. And I think they need to know more about that because even if it's not connected, it certainly gives another group of considerations that are arguably infinitely more likely than the extraterrestrial explanation. And if I had to say, in all fairness, high hand to beat would probably be that the hills were confused. The hypnosis sessions, which, by the way, were to treat trauma, not to... to uh, conduct an investigation, but I think they were probably confused. I think that they believed their, their narrative. I think that there were some other things that led to them believing this alien abduction story. And that would probably be the most, like if, if I had to put my chips on an answer, that would be the one I'd bet on. Yeah. Given other if we're going to explore the more extraordinary and the more interesting, just fun stuff to contemplate and talk about, yeah, I think that, that the intelligence operations deserve a, a chair at the table. I mean, good grief, if there was a lift of explanations, I don't think alien abduction should be at the top of it. Sure.
And there's also the strange coincidence about John Fuller, the author of the book, Interrupted Journey. Yes. Go ahead. Well, uh, actually, I'm going to have you go into that. (laughs) Right. That that actually is Nick Redfern hat tip there. Yeah. He has uh, posted comments on blogs around the UFO community that he thinks that Fuller was uh, uh, had incentives from the intelligence community to play up the uh, alien abduction aspect of the Hill case. And I'm hoping that Nick will come out with more information about that or perhaps other researchers will find it. That's something I'd, I'd definitely like to hear more about if it panned out and and uh, is accurate. I'd certainly like to know more about that. Yeah. Well, and Fuller also wrote a book called The Day of St. Anthony's Fire, which was about right. the French town that they said at the time was uh, that they ate bad bread. But now, hasn't it been proven that that was a CIA, that was a CIA operation that involved Frank Olson, who later you know, got pushed out of a window. And yeah, it, it, George Hunter White's in that story, too. It, it's been called into a lot of question. Yes, sir, it has. Uh, the The guy we mentioned earlier that um, was running the CIA brothels, he uh, was involved in a, a, a letter correspondence that, managed to see the light of day and not get get destroyed with the other files uh, and was released to John Marks when he uh, got what we now know as the MK Ultra collection and George Hunter White referred to the uh, the 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 case as uh, that stormy epidemic which was a slang word for LSD at the time and there, there's a lot of questionable aspects of it. There's uh, uh, a, a lot of researchers think that much more work could go into that and that it may have been a CIA experiment into airborne hallucinogenic delivery systems. Uh, how nice. And, uh yeah, yeah, and some of that work was apparently credible enough that the French actually sent a formal uh a formal question to the 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 Americans asking for for more elaboration on some of the work of uh Mr. Alberelli, I think if I'm recalling the name correctly, wrote about some of that. And it it's certainly intriguing. It, again, we're we're at the time that the the mind control operations were afoot. Strange things were going on. You're correct that Fuller wrote about both of them and had a deep interest in in these types of events. And Redfern. Uh, thinks that there's a connection. Before I published my book, I confirmed with Nick at that point in time that he still felt that to be the case. And he said that he did. And 
so I went ahead and I, I put his, his thoughts in it. And if, if I would hope that more comes out about that and that we can put it to bed one way or the other. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it just, uh, I, don't, I've, I have heard, I believe I saw it on a, on the show that they were talking about how, um, this village was not too far from the Swiss border from a chemical plant where they were manufacturing LSD. <laughs> well, so one heard thing, that as well. Yeah, that that's another thing that came out was I think yeah. there's uh, Sandoz people, right. I think was mm-hmm. the name of it. And uh, there's a declassified CIA uh, file <sighs> where one of their contacts was warning the CIA that according to this contact, the French had done testing on the circumstances and that they had um, they had ascertained and concluded that it had nothing to do with bread. And the contact was just giving the CIA a heads up and uh, Al Borelli took that to indicate, as one might, that that was uh, further concern that that the CIA was discussing this as as the uh, evidence was mounting that it, it wasn't uh, mold and psychedelic mold in the bread. And, right. Yeah. It's- yeah. That. Go ahead. Well, it's a half-truth because ergot is one of the ingredients in LSD, so it's a half-truth. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) There you go. Let's talk about um, the Guatemala coup, and you draw an interesting parallel here about about using UFOs as a kind of like psychological warfare or as a type of distraction. Right, right. And that is one of the cases, thanks for bringing it up, that as I mentioned at the outset, there are select cases that we can show the CIA and the global intelligence community attempted or at least considered exploiting the UFO topic. And if we go back just a little bit before Guatemala, if I might lead into it, in 1953 was the first meeting of the Robertson panel. Then later down the road, this panel came to be known by the public, and they were a a group charged with scientifically being briefed on the UFO phenomenon. When the public got wind of this, they wanted the report. So, uh, understandably, so what do they think? What did they find out? Well, we now know through declassified documents that the CIA sponsored this panel and funded it and briefed them. And when the report was actually given out, the CIA made sure that there was no mention of its involvement, and the CIA website currently clarifies even that they they deleted any reference to, to CIA interest in the UFO phenomenon as a psychological warfare tool. 
Now, it was the very year after that, 1954, after the Robertson panel first met, that the CIA sponsored a coup in Guatemala. They were involved in overthrowing the government. A white paper was published in which the author of the paper outed the CIA and made his case for why he thought the CIA was involved. And we now have a declassified cable sent from CIA headquarters in Florida to Guatemalan assets in order to take attention away from this white paper to consider among other strategies, concocting a flying saucer story to divert attention and create a public distraction. And when that was eventually declassified many years later, that caused uh, newspapers such as the New York Times that wrote about it in 2003 to have a headline that I don't have in front of me, but was something to the effect of your cover's been blown, just make up a story about UFOs. You know, I mean, it's... uh, Uh, A very intriguing chain of events and shows us uh, unequivocally that the CIA had it in its tool bag as a public distraction. Right. And it probably done it since. Well, I can't prove that necessarily to be the case, but I, I certainly wonder I I kind of don't know why not. I think Project Palladium uh, is right along those lines where uh, false radar paints could be projected onto enemy radar and uh, could have pilots chasing craft that weren't there. I, I think that needs to be on the table when we talk about these things. I... I think that we need to take a look at career intelligence officers that are just as much a part of the UFO lore as Whitley Strieber and Betty and Barney Hill. You know, that we we look at names like C.B. Scott Jones, John Alexander, uh, Bert Stubblebine, and they're, they're just... I mean, regulars at UFO conferences for a, a, the latter part of the 20th century and just made extraordinary statements about mind control projects and uh, whatever we're to make of that. I don't endorse their statements. I don't accept them without question. I think we should warn the UFO community to particularly hold intelligence personnel to providing verification for their claims because we're notorious for accepting what we want to believe is accurate and discarding what we don't want to believe is disinformation when if we would just require verification to accept it it would do away with all the interpretation um i i think that 
the the UFO community and the intelligence community are so intertwined that at times they're the same thing. Yeah. And yeah, I think that deserves a lot of more attention than it typically gets. And then you have guys like Richard Doty and the whole Mirage Men thing, the Paul Benowitz stuff, where you know it's like they basically use this guy to cover up what we now see all the time, which is probably drones. But they thought they wanted this guy to believe it was alien spacecraft, so they've used yeah. UFOs to cover up their what they've done. Other other things, it just it's just the perfect cover. Yeah, it it really is. You know, when when you bring that up, something that comes to mind is the Argo saga. Did yeah. you guys familiar with that story and the uh, movie? Uh, the movie, movie about the Iran? Yeah, the Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where they. Uh, exfiltrated the Americans from from Iran, right. And something I think that's important about that, like you say, the UFO phenomenon served as a good cover for like Paul Benowitz stories. In that one, it they used that uh, alien script that, that they were supposedly doing a sci-fi movie And I've wondered if that was even part of the idea that if they were even claiming to do some kind of geography or um, wildlife or something more credible than we're shooting an alien movie, like even that might tend to make the border patrol go, Oh my God, get these people out of here. Like, like, like they discount them and pay less attention to them. Like it may have even served as to help cover by even having the alien sci-fi story in there with it. That's a good, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's actually why I I even first started following that story was I thought, wow, what's this about? Because I thought, wow, if somebody had leaked the story or broke the story at the time that the CIA had a bogus Hollywood film production studio that had bought the rights to to an alien other world film there would have been so many conspiracies around what that would have been about the disinformation process or or what it would have been about whether they're you know slowly leaking disclosure there'd have been all these theories that an exfiltration in the middle east wouldn't have been in the top hundred you know yeah. that I and like that's why I even first started looking at it was wow why'd they use an alien script and while I don't know that to be the case it does make me wonder if because uh, border patrol people would have averted from you more subconsciously even than if you acted like you were somebody more important and more prestigious you know. That's true. That's true. It's a good point. What do you think about Tom DeLong? I'm I I would again have to invoke my if people provide verification, then we don't have to uh interpret. The short answer to that would be I think Tom DeLong, it's it's been described by uh one of my uh colleagues. I, I like to call him a colleague and fellow blogger 
Um, Lauren Cutts has uh, described Tom DeLonge as possibly the next, the next Paul Benowitz. I think uh, I think Mark Pilkington might have made that reference as well. Maybe not, but he certainly comes to mind. Is uh, if we're to believe DeLonge has these contacts, he claims. Yeah, we'd have to wonder why these people are telling him the things he claims. I, uh, uh, my first guess would certainly not be because it's all accurate. No, sir, it would not. I, uh, I think we're just going to always have to go back to separating what we can prove to be correct from what we think or what we believe and making sure that we hold people accountable for that uniformly and not accept along because we want to believe him yet reject uh robert schaefer for instance a well-known skeptic because we don't want to believe him and i i think that we have to just treat them all uniformly that when they put their work on the table what can we verify and and go from there yeah true rob was there anything that you wanted to ask before we call tonight um not really no this is a a lot of this is really new to me um it's great it's it's a cool new angle but like a lot of the stuff i've never heard of the the discrepancies and the various research and you know a lot of these names i'm real familiar with but um no, thanks for coming on though, Jack. This is this has been great. Yeah, oh, I really, that. I really appreciate it too. Uh, again, I'd like to thank you, Adam, for being up on the material. Um, uh, kudos to you for for knowing the material, and I've enjoyed the discussion as well. Thank you, Jack. Thank you. Uh, tell people where um, they can get the book, and also where they can see your blog. Sure. I write the blog, The UFO Trail. If you just uh, use your favorite search engine, you'll find it. Or it's ufotrail.blogspot.com. It's one of those Google blogs, The UFO Trail. And there's a link there for my book that is available on Amazon. It is titled The Grays Have Been Framed, Exploitation in the UFO Community. And it explores the kinds of things we've been talking about tonight that I do not discount possible paranormal phenomena out of hand. I think that people experience all kinds of things they don't understand, and I think they're sincere about them. I think, however, there are documented circumstances we can point to and discuss in the UFO community where a combination of uh, the intelligence community, charlatans, and suspect researchers, maybe even sometimes sincere but incorrect researchers, have created a a mindset that is just taking us further and further from actuality. And I think we, we have a lot to look at there, and I explore those things in my book. Jack, it has been a real pleasure. Uh, I think that we we did not even scratch the surface of what's in the book, honestly. Um, I had a little more topics on the list here than than we actually got to, so I think that's actually a good thing. 
So I think we can continue this in Roswell. <laughs> Absolutely. I look forward to meeting you guys face to face. Absolutely, sir. Stay on the line for us. Uh, guys, we're going to close out this section and we will be back as always. Like it's pretty normal. So uh, when are we going to have Dr. Jacobs on for a third episode? <laughs> uh, probably never. <laughs> it, it might be after, a- after that, if he if he listens, yeah, I mean, it would- <laughs> that might that might not be good. It might be a little awkward at first. Slightly. Um, yeah, I never told you about that aspect of it. No, you didn't. <laughs> yeah. That was- that well. Was- it's kind of hard to defend that it in is. a way, and especially if it's all over the internet and you can actually hear it. Right. Well, that's the thing. Like he posted this, like according to uh, according to Jack, like him and um, yeah, was her name Emily yeah, Emma Woods, Emma. which is a Emma, pseudonym. The, right. But um, she apparently he sent it to her. I guess that she released it and. Then he released it as like just like in full disclosure. Um, now I have heard different things about this. One of the things that I have heard is that he was actually trying to get some kind of sample, right? Which, so he which, asked for the he asked for the panties, and maybe he didn't know that it was. Um, that he could do other things besides that, right? Which which is, is a also possibility, understandable. But but to follow that up with a but you won't remember this. Yeah, that's the part that I didn't know about. Like, I and, I and according like with or as far as what Jack said, and, you know, he he almost phrased it just like that. Send me your panties and don't worry about it and don't remember this. Like that's yeah. See just, that that's the part that I actually didn't know about when I read the book. Jack's book. Um, it was as I, I as I always understand it. He just asked her for the panties. I didn't know he actually put her in a hypnotizer over the phone. How exactly that works? Again, I really don't know. Right. But and and it's over the phone in like where is she like Australia or New Zealand or something? I think that's it's got to be one of those countries. Okay. I mean, it just has to be. Um. So I didn't know about that part and that she, he had hypnotized her to, um, to say that she had multiple personality disorder. So the hybrids didn't, um, find out. Um, but I thought they were pretty good about reading minds and they were telepathic. So I don't, I don't know where that came from. Yeah. I don't think that you're going to hide anything from them anyway. Well, see, okay. Well, let's unpack this, man. Well, for, first of all, I just I want to I want right. to throw out there. Um, I do. I agree with you on a point that you brought up earlier that it is real easy to get 
wrapped up in your own work and it's very very difficult to stay yeah. objective it, it really truly is to, to take yourself out of the equation you know you can't observe something without interacting with it and right i i think that a lot of people um for a lot of researchers i don't think it's an intentional or a malicious thing or a sensationalist thing or or anything like that but I'm sure that this kind of stuff do, does happen. I mean, I do it all the time, you know, and I catch myself doing it, like trying to make judgments based on what I know and accidentally interjecting yes. myself into it. Like, that's just, that's how we Everybody are. Everybody does that. It's hard. It's hard to not remain completely and totally objective. But, um, yeah, you, that's, that's where the scientific method does come into play, as Jack is saying. Like, it's supposed to help right. take that element out. Right. Now... You've been with me for both interviews with Dr. Jacobs that we did. Yeah. Okay. Now, his story is he got into the UFO stuff. He wrote a paper about UFOs, and in other words, just UFOs, unidentified flying objects, and what it meant in American popular culture. Okay. Because he's an historian. Now, what I noticed about Dr. Jacobs from speaking to him the two times that we have spoken to him is that he thinks like an historian but he's still an historian he's not a hypnotherapist and he's not a psychologist right now he says that anybody as he understands it can do hypnosis you don't have to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist or you don't have to have any of those persons with you while you're doing it but apparently that's not correct. So he's working under what is, first of all, a false assumption. Second of all... Why is that not correct? Just to clarify. As far as... Well, because the danger of planting something into somebody's mind. You want somebody that's a professional that okay, knows right, how right. to do it. Anyone, anyone can do it, but not anyone can do it properly without... Right, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can do it. You can mess it all up. Right, you can go over there and you, play my guitar, but you're not going to like... Right, exactly. Bust out any exactly. Yeah. So somebody is not trained to do it. However, you've got psychologists and psychiatrists now that are both getting away from hypnosis as a tool, as a technique, because of things like satanic panic and stuff that happened, repressed memory, what was used to be called repressed memory syndrome that doesn't actually exist because that was all induced by hypnosis. And now they're starting to see hypnosis really isn't that great a tool to recover those type of things. It might be a tool for other, um, for, for other aspects, like maybe calming somebody down right, behavioral or, modification. Or, or helping someone in that, in that way. But in right. the aspects of recovering memory, it's not reliable at all. So that's the problem. Okay. So you have a whole generation, you have that generation, Dave Jacobs, um, Bud Hopkins as well, that both believe that, you know, they could just do hypnosis on anybody and they felt like they were qualified because they knew how to do it. Well, and then they're taking the results as fact, where in mm-hmm. reality what you're doing is you're putting somebody into an overly suggestive mindset. Yeah. You're not drawing information out from them. You're allowing them to become right. more influenced by anything and everything. Like, I would never attempt hypnosis on anybody. I don't know how to do it, but I would never hit – I would just because I'm not a trained – I'm not trained – I'm not a trained professional – and neither are they. They weren't. But they could say they were trained professionals. 
or they could say that they could do what a trained professional could do. Why can't we do it if we know how to do it? Now, now Hopkins, as I understand, you know, he would actually go to people and hypnotize them or people would come to him. I don't hear a lot of that kind of stuff about um, doing hypnosis over the phone or doing hypnosis over instant message, which just that's mind boggling blows my mind. That's a whole other, I I don't get that at all. Um, but, uh, but Jacobs, he takes things from a, he does take though, cause he is an historian. He takes things from a very, still a very analytical approach. See, that's his training as an historian. So he says one, this, he takes completely out the spiritual and puts in just the material. So he comes at this from a materialistic approach when you should really come at it from an irrational spiritual approach because it's completely irrational. So like Jack was saying, Emma Woods probably was having real things that were happening to her, to her, but it wasn't physical. It wasn't a physical phenomenon, but because Jacobs thinks that way, he sees everything as physical, so it must be happening to her because he looks at things in a secular, materialistic worldview. Does that make sense? Yes. I think so. So, because of that, he's going to fall into these type of things because he believes in he believes in it in that way. So there are hybrids that are raping her. There are hybrids that are doing these terrible things to her. So in his mind, he says, well, but I'm, I'm going to get a sample just, just from to her amend panties. that. I think you could come you could come at this from a secular mindset and assume that it could be a psychological phenomena and not jump to Yes, you can. Um yes, you some, can. something so drastic. Yes, you can. Right. Right. But again, he hypnotizes people. He gets these same narratives day in, day out from these people. He doesn't realize that he's actually putting this into their mind through suggestion. Right. He doesn't realize that he's leading them. So it becomes almost like this symbiotic relationship between the person hypnotizing and the person that's hypnotized. Well, and it's almost like they're... It ju- feeds on each other. Right. It's a and, feedback loop. And they're... the. the that type of researcher, they're generating their own data pool as they go rather than yes. collecting real world data and yes. analyzing it. Yes. Yes. So they come at it from this is this is an alien abduction that's going on. This is not a psychological thing. These people are not crazy, which I would agree they're not crazy. However, I don't agree that it's material in nature. Okay, so as Jack also pointed out, if she's having these, whatever it is, it could be something that is happening to her because of sleep paralysis. Something is coming through to her, or she's having these, these you know, I don't know. I don't know what was going on with her. Or like I said, it could be a spiritual thing. Or it, it could, could be, yes. It could be an altered of state of consciousness. Other yeah. Which is funny, because in the whole hypnosis thing, you put that into it as well, You've got this whole, we talked about this before, alter state of consciousness. Well, how can you go through that? Drugs, meditation. Um, those are ways that you can 
you know, sleep paralysis is another one. That's an altered state of consciousness. If you really think about it, you know, um, Hypnosis, definitely. the, uh, the electromagnetic frequency, the, the God helmet thing. Right. Okay. And hypnosis. Hypnosis is also an altered state of consciousness. So you're using an altered state of consciousness to explore something that someone had in an altered state of consciousness. It's pretty complex. But they think hypnosis is a scientific tool. Right. And it's not. No. No one that's ever studied it would tell, I mean, would say that this is, you know. Right. I mean, it's. I don't. I don't even think it's not admissible in court. It's not like, you know, it's yeah. Well, it might have been fifty years ago, but it's not now, right? It, you know, it 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 just isn't. So, I, I will I will defend Dave Jacobs and Bud Hopkins in the in in saying that they are they are both in they were well Jacobs is still alive. Hopkins and he were both in their paradigms. Okay. And they didn't come out of that paradigm. So everything for them matched that paradigm. And these, and you had this feedback loop between the patient and the person that was doing the the hypnotizing, you know? Right. And again, I just want to reiterate, like, I don't think that it's um, like a nefarious drive that they have. I don't think that it's, Exactly. That they're intending to to mislead people or to, to you know, create their own little world to sell books within kind of thing, but Exactly. Because I because I don't see I didn't you know I think Hopkins had some money, but he was but he had a career as an artist, you know, like we explored that when we talked to Peter about him. You know, I mean he had this other career that was outside of this alien abduction thing that he made money off of. Right. And Dr. You know, Jacobs is or was a history professor. Yeah. Dr. Jacobs has written three books about the subject, but they've been, they haven't come out like year after year. It's been years. And so in between, so these guys are true believers, but it's like, they're not, they didn't step outside of that. And, and I guess Carol Rainey, I'd have to, I'd have to look more into her, and see what she was all about. Maybe even looking to maybe get her on the show or something. But like, you know, she came at it as a true believer too with Bud. And, but she began to see things that were just like for her in her, she also had an analytical mind. So she began to see things that were not, um, didn't make sense to her but like it was just all going back and forth it wasn't it wasn't going anywhere as far as being critical about what somebody was telling them you see what i'm saying yeah oh for sure and and, you know again i think it's important that jack is you know trying to bring all this to like because if we do want to get to the bottom of any of this or even explore it further. Like it's, it's important for us to keep ourselves in check and keep each other in check. And yeah, there's a lot of pitfalls that (laughs) we could fall into real easily. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's tough because you're dealing with sacred cows and a lot of this stuff with the ufology. 
Um, and that's that's part of the problem is that you've got this paradigm that has been just imposed on the whole um, discipline for years and years and years. And it's hard to get out of that. That's why it's so refreshing for me to talk to guys like Greg Bishop and Jack Brewer and Nick Redfern and these guys that are out that are kind of outside of it and think about, you know, Micah too, you know, think about things differently mm-hmm. than, than, than that, that other group, which is what's going to this is what's going to make the conference so interesting too, yeah. while we're on the subject in right. Roswell is that it's a, you know, modern challenges to the extraterrestrial hypothesis. That's what the whole conference is about. Right. You know, it's just, Let's, let's take a step back and let's kind of look at look at this from as many angles as possible and be objective. And I'm just afraid that we could have our own kind of feedback loop in a way. You know what I mean? Like we could all just sit here, and just circle jerk each other around, and and just maybe something comes up that says, "Oh, it is aliens." And then we'll be like, nah, it's not aliens. That's, that's bullshit. <laughs> right. You, you well, know that's, what what, I mean? that's what I was trying to say in the beginning. Like, I, I, don't, I don't discount any of it because like, I don't know. It's all fascinating, and, and that's it. It's just fascinating. Like, I, yep. It's more fascinating to me, all this stuff is. It's more fascinating to me that um, someone could be having this, basically what is really, in many ways, a shamanic experience. That's what they would have called it centuries ago in yeah. ancient times a vision or a- yeah it's religious i mean it's essentially religious experience the thing is is that that's been clouded over by this whole extraterrestrial thing so you haven't had real serious people that have really wanted to touch it and explore it in that other vein that i just spoke about i mean now you're starting to get that Okay. Yeah, for sure, a lot. There more. were guys like John Mack. Now, John Mack, you know, he was a little bit different. You know, he he didn't ever actually come out and say that this is extraterrestrial. He would say, and he was a trans psychologist. Okay, so if anybody had, if there was anybody that was really qualified to really look into this stuff, it was him. And but he would say that I don't know what's going on. We don't know what's happening, but these people are experiencing something. And I'm going to document it, and I'm going to talk to them about it. And he would go in to talk about, you know, the shamanic experience, what is going, you know, how similar this is to stuff with with drugs and meditation, and what exactly it is we're being being contacted by. And then you have guys like you know Rick Strassman and his work and the DMT, and you know, people seeing the same stuff in DMT, which, you know, I've said this ad infinitum, people are probably sick of it, but that also was another thing. But I think we're just getting to the point where we can kind of, if we can try to leave the extraterrestrial hypothesis behind and say, oh, people are, ha ha, people are being abducted by aliens and they're being anally probed. But look <laughs> at it seriously and say this, and listen to what the people are actually saying. Because plenty of testimony has been given about what has happened without hypnosis. And it's all just really damn weird. And it really happens to people. And it's something that has been happening to people since people have been around. 
You know what I mean? Right. And it could be aliens. Stop. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> it might be aliens. You never know. What is it that Red Pill said one time? He said on uh, Where Did the Red Go? He said, what if it really is aliens, but they can't get here from a distant planet? So they just send like their essence and their thoughts to us, and there's how they're contacting us. See, there you go. That's a blend. I like it. But see, I think it's something that I think it's something that has been here with us and is probably older than us that shows itself to us however we or however it deems fit to show itself to us. You know, it's well, the gin, it's fairies, yeah. it's the greys, it's you know, whatever that, it that, is, that the Flatwoods monster. I don't know, the, you know. Yeah, all the Celtic lore. All black that. eyed children, uh men in black, all of it. You know, it's all the same thing. It's all the it's the goblin universe, right? Uh since we're talking about the conference, you brought that up. I thought it would be a good idea to read what people are gonna be talking about at Ooh, the conference. Nice. Um so here's just kind of like the roundup. Uh you know, this is where we're gonna be, guys. So if you're in Roswell for the 70th anniversary of whatever happened at Roswell. Maybe it was aliens. I'm not saying it was aliens, <laughs> but it could have been was aliens. aliens. I'm not saying it's non-ETH, but it's non-ETH. <laughs> uh, join us in Roswell for perhaps the most controversial UFO conference, in quotation marks, ever held. We're not challenging the status quo to be popular, but to present for consideration to honest truth seekers legitimate points of view pertaining to UFOs and so-called aliens that other UFO conference simply won't allow to be told. So let's see some of just some of the topics people are talking about. So Guy Malone, he's going to talk about Roswell, 1947, what really happened. Greg Bishop, alternative theories of UFO origins. Nick Nicholas Redfern, expo our 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 Rick Nedfern. Exposed U.S. government secret findings on demonic UFOs. Jack Brewer, who we just talked to. The Greys have been framed. Exploitation, ufology, and the intersection of the intelligence and UFO communities. Dr. Michael Heiser evaluating the claims. Works of Zachariah Sitchin. That's that's the first day. I don't know how we're going to get any interviews, though, because I'm just going to be, like, geeking out over all this. So, you know, Joseph Jordan, Joe Jordan, who we talked to, Unholy Communion, the unwanted piece of the UFO po- UFO puzzle. Um, Dr. Heiser, how a- ancient aliens harms UFO research. Why defending UFOs with the Bible is a bad idea. Also, Dr. Heiser. So he's got Dr. Heiser two nights. Nice. Or like right back to back. Um, and then some of its, some of its repeats. Um, and he's doing that on purpose so everybody can go to other stuff as well. Right. The way I understand um, it, yeah, Thursday and Friday will be like sort of a yeah. a set thing. And then Saturday and Sunday will be sort of a reprise. But I'm right. sure there'll be some extra stuff in there too. So so come on out, guys. Come on out because I think it's going to be really, really cool and really It's going to be a blast. Come hang out with us. Come hit us up. Yeah, we should have a table. I think we're going to have a table. So I'm going to try to get it. I need to get another banner for it. No Luke this time, though, guys. He's not coming? He's not coming. Oh. What yeah. about um, uh, our, our little... Who was it? The, the cardboard cutouts? Oh, uh, are we, yeah. Are we going to bring... We might bring um, Billy Ray Cyrus we cardboard cutouts. We should bring again. Billy Ray with us. Yeah, we should. In, in memory of Luke. <laughs> so, uh, 
All right. Well, we're good on time, I guess. Yeah. All right. We have we have obligations to fulfill to certain um, to certain internet radio stations, so we have to do those. Hey, Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, let's do those love edits. You. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, next time we are going to have Guy Malone finally. And Peter Robbins, and we're going to talk about Roswell. And these two guys, they have different viewpoints on what happened at Roswell. We'll try to be kind to Peter because he'll be our resident um, extraterrestrial hypothesis. Although Peter is Peter is pretty fair, and he will listen to what you have to say. He really will. Um, I got to sit down with him in New York and talk to him about what I thought, and yeah, you know, he he will listen to you about all this stuff. So. Um, Rob, is there anything else you want to say? Oh, tell them about Patreon. We forgot to do that in the last show, I think. Oh, yeah. We have a Patreon community where uh, we can all get together and uh, got different tiers there. And there's uh, forums. You can post stuff. Uh, goes up to, you know, we got bonus episodes every month at a certain tier. There's T-shirts available, um, monthly wallpapers, which I've been working really hard on. And, yeah. He has. Come check it out. It's uh, patreon.com slash conspiranormal. Oh, I did want to leave everybody with, um, speaking of panties, my stepson told me that when you go to the adult books to shop, I don't know why I say it's adult video store, toy store, whatever, just any children in the room, just, you know, tell them to leave. Um, when you go in Japan where he's stationed, if you go in there, um, you, there's a little vending machine and you can actually buy girls panties. Like pant like worn panties. Worn panties. Oh, Japan. Why? Yeah. So I just thought I'd leave everybody with that. Um so with that information, join us next time on Conspiranormal. And send us your panties. For science, just for science. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.